but I'll tell you how nervous I was. I put my shoes on backwards. <laughs> I did. I was sitting down there and I thought, why are these so uncomfortable? <laughs> I had them on the opposite feet. And you didn't even tell me. I've been... Well, I thought that's what they were doing in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do more than that. <laughs> so I will uh, just go ahead and just start it right here. You, uh, very first thing you said to me when, when you came in tonight, same thing you said last time I saw you, but uh, a few years ago, your wife, Doria. Doria, do you want to introduce Doria to us? Doria, my wife, Doria. Will you stand, Doria? This is Craig's wife, Doria. Almost 40 years. That's 46 years of trouble right there. 46 years. <laughs> but you tell me a story that how you were exercising or something one time, and she came in and told you you ought to listen to something. Yeah, she was, she's always wanted to do cardio. And we were here, and she says, you got to come down and do cardio and listen to this pastor. I said, I don't want to do cardio, and I don't want to listen to a pastor <laughs> right now. I'm not in the mood. So I walked down, she put earplugs in my ear, and I said, who is this guy? Wow, this ain't bad. What's his name? She says, Robert Morris. Yeah, well, okay, fine. And I hung in there, and it was like, you got me hooked, you know? Thank you. And the reason is because he's authentic. And uh, I feel like his spirit is communicating with my spirit and telling me the truth. And I think that's what all of us want to hear, you know, the truth, Thank you. right? Thank you. Well, when you, uh, when you say that, um, one of my spiritual fathers actually is one of your spiritual fathers, and I just want, I'm just going to go ahead and go back to it. But I, I heard the story about you. Y'all were building something long, long time ago, and you heard someone on the radio, and everybody here knows him. He's one of our apostolic elders. Pastor Jack Hayford, will you just tell us that story? Well, I'd left uh, Hollywood in 73. I'd been a writer, performer. I was doing stand-up, and I was also doing it on acid. So that was not a good combination. Uh, decided to move up to Northern California and live like the Waltons in the wild. And uh, no running water, no electricity. So I took my Volkswagen van and my dog and my two kids at the time. We moved up to Mount Shasta. And I built a log cabin, and I'd never built anything in the world before, but I had a book called How to Build Your Own Log Cabin. <laughs> so I set about building this log cabin, and it rained for 40 days, and the middle of the book got stuck together, so <laughs> the house kind of looked like incompleted, if you will. But anyway, I had a little, we had no electricity and no running water, like I said. And I had transistor radio. So I turned on. Uh, the strongest signal I got was the Moody Bible Institute from Chicago. And I had started to look into being a Christian and really getting close to God up there in the mountains because I needed him. I needed help. I had a stolen horse. 
And you had a what? A stolen horse. A stolen horse. Well, I bought a stolen horse from a gypsy <laughs> horseshoer, but that's another. Jeez. But I digress. Anyway, I turn on the transistor radio. I'm going to walk outside and I'm listening to the Moody Bible Institute from Chicago, Illinois, and then organ stink. And they had dramas on, but this time they had this guy speaking. And I was going out the door. I swear, this is what happened. And I heard Jack Hayford, who I didn't know who that was, speaking. And I stopped at the door and I said, I turned to the radio and I said, he's telling the truth. And I went back and I sat down and I listened. And he filled my heart and he filled my soul. It was really something. And that was in 73 or 74, and I never, I didn't meet him until 1986 or 87. And it was the biggest thrill of my life to meet this guy who had filled my heart with the initial response of the Spirit calling me. And it was so cool. So that's kind of a start of your spiritual journey, but let's go back to the start of your life, your, where you grew up, your parents, you know, uh, I heard your dad knew Bing Crosby, and you hung out with entertainers growing up and things like that. Well, he did, and um, he was a drummer and had been a drummer, and he knew Bing, grew up in Spokane. And my dad, uh, I didn't really know my dad that well. Um, He got very sick when I was in high school. He had emphysema, and he would be in the back room. And as a kid, I was ashamed of him. And I didn't have a great relationship with my mother because she was taking care of my father. And they weren't that old. And he was dying. And I couldn't bring kids over to the house, so I was ashamed of him. And you were, you were like, played sports and yeah, pretty I, popular I, in high school and all. Yeah, I was a tennis champion uh, uh, as a young man at 12. Uh, I took up golf. I went out and did uh, football, baseball, hockey. We played hockey in Spokane. And I really wanted to be a professional athlete. That's what I wanted to do. But I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the discipline. I didn't have any of that. But I was raised in that kind of environment. And, and I was a big, uh, as a kid, I was a big fan of cowboys. And Hopalong Cassidy was my favorite, favorite cowboy I've ever. And that was, this is way above, and I'm too old for some of you guys. But Hopalong Cassidy was a, was a cowboy. And he wore black outfit, black hat, and had good six guns and black and black chaps. Well, I had the whole outfit. <laughs> and, and I had the cowboy, you know, Hoplon Cassidy hat. And I was out front with my mother, and she was working in the yard. And I just decided to unzip my Hoplon Cassidy jeans and go to the bathroom. And so I was peeing there in the bushes, and, and she came over, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well in the bushes here. She says, that's it. So she grabbed me and took me inside and sat me down. She called Hopalong Cassidy on the phone. Really? Well, she acted like it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got me. You got me on that one. She said, Hoppy, what do I do with a little boy who's peeing in the yard? In the bushes, and I don't know what Hoppy said, but whatever it was, in, uh, and I had Hoplon Cassidy can cuffs, 
And so she'd handcuff me to the <laughs> chair. And, and so, you know, uh, Pastor, since then, I've just enjoyed peeing outside forever. I just... <laughs> that's the kind of childhood I have, okay? My main goal. At some point, you moved to Hollywood, worked as security guard, but your first real job was stand up and a writer and a writer for someone that, that we probably all know. Yeah, our first network job, I worked with Barry Levinson. We did stand up together. Barry is the director of The Natural, The Diner, Avalon, tons of movies, Academy Award winning. And we did stand up together. And then we got hired to go work the Tim Conway show. And Tim, Tim was my first the guy that hired me for the first time. And uh, I owed him a debt forever. So, what I was able to do was when I was doing coach, we had a slot. And I went to the creator, Barry Kemp, and I said, hey, listen, let's get Tim on to do a yeah. guest shot. Yeah. And Jerry Van Dyke said, no way. He could. No, Tim. And you see, comedians hate each other. You've you got to understand that. We're not talking a godly environment here. We're talking about pressure. And Tim came on, and he won an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> and it was That's my good. gift back to him to say thank you. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so you also brought up Jerry Van Dyke. And, and just from watching Coach the show, it had to be a hoot to work with Jerry Van Dyke. Jerry, Jerry was a genius. You know, he just recently died. And. I spoke at his memorial, and Jerry and I were very close. This was a family for nine years, but Jerry was crazy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a secret about Jerry. <laughs> Jerry was an alcoholic, but he didn't drink. <laughs> he wanted to drink real bad. <laughs> and I was sober. And I started coach when I was four years sober. So Jerry and I... Initially, I'm so screwed up because I'm just learning about what all this stuff is to do without drugs and alcohol. And, and I'm starting to live a life where I understand the gift that's been given and that it comes from God and it's not mine. And I'm just starting to understand, that, well, I got a crazy person working next to me, you know, over here, who's telling me that he needs more lines and more of this and more of that. And I met Jerry and, and we had this wonderful time. And it was extraordinary, but I wanted to kill him just about every other day. He would, uh, you know, I'd get upset about something. We're dealing with the network and whatever. And Jerry would say, well, why don't you go read your big book? Hmm. Say, what for? <laughs> and I want to kill you right now. That's not going to stop me from wanting to kill you. <laughs> and we had this wonderful relationship of, we were competitive, but we tried to crack each other up. And it was, you know, the thing about it was Shelley Fabre was the peacemaker. She was the one that was able to keep us off of each other. But because of that, the comedy was richer because we were both trying to outdo each other. So it was a wonderful time. That was a great show. Great yeah, show. thanks. So you brought up drugs and alcohol and... I know you struggled in that area in your own life, and lots of people struggle in that area. You want to share any about that? Yeah. Um, 
may get a little emotional. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm 35 and a half years sober. And, uh, no. It's a glory to God here. If anybody out there is struggling with drugs or alcohol, let me tell you there's hope. And let me tell you, there is victory, a day at a time. The beautiful thing for me about being sober is that I have to acknowledge God every moment in my life for the victory I have today, this moment. Because without him, I couldn't make it to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I couldn't stay sober. I was in hell. On January 19th, 1984, I was in hell. And on January 21st, 1984, I was in heaven. I got relieved of the obsession to drink and use. But still, what it's taught me is it's gotten me closer to this power that they call greater than yourself in AA. And I endeavored to find out who that was. And through the process of being sober every day and realizing the miracle that was occurring, I've come to find out his name is Jesus. He is alive and living in each and every one of us. And to be able to acknowledge that on a daily basis is my highest priority. Without that, I don't have any victory. And just recently, you know, for the last five years, I've had at the house a group of guys that come over called Celebrate Recovery. And if you haven't looked into it, there are programs here in the church that are faith-based that deal with alcohol and drugs and other issues too. Because God knows we all have compulsions and obsessions that we're not dealing with. And the other thing is, the beauty of the Wednesday night meeting I had at my house was I sponsored guys in the program of AA. And one of those guys I started sponsoring when he first came in. And I have had the privilege of giving him and guiding him through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and in the process of teaching him a spiritual way of life that I have found works for me. And so we've been leading that kind of, that work along. And Wednesday night, we were talking, and I turned to him, and the Spirit of the Lord just said to me, ask him. And I'm real shy about that. And uh, I, sh I, I could be better. And I asked him what? Ask him if he loves me. I can't ask him that. I said, ask him if he's ready. So I said, hey, Mike, you ready? He said, for what? <laughs> I said, to accept Jesus into your life. He said, uh huh, I am. And in my house, we prayed the prayer. 
he accepted Jesus, and now I've got the responsibility of spending time with the guy, you know? Now, I just want to just comment here. If a guy who's been in Hollywood for as long as you have and the awards that you've won can lead people to Jesus Christ in your home, any of us can do it. Don't you agree? Just are you ready to give your life to Jesus? So let me go, let me go back. Uh, when you met Doria, Doria, I think, already knew Christ when you met her. Or What, what, what do you want to tell me about that? Thank you. Here we got some... Oh, you're all in trouble now. Watch this. I met Doria and she slayed me in the spirit. I was done. I was like Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners. You know, I mean, basically it was ba 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 ba. This beautiful spirit walked in front of me. And I happened to be high at the time. But I knew in my heart that this was going to change my life. And she and I together, but she primarily, because she started going to Al-Anon before I got sober, she was living with a crazy person. And she, because of her work with God and in the program, I began to see that I, I was in trouble. So it's through her that I got to know God on an even greater level, but more importantly, you know, I was spending so much time, Pastor, in shame and sorrow and guilt in my memories of yesterday. And I was so worried and anxious and trepidatious and scared about what tomorrow would bring. And I was missing today totally. I couldn't find today if you'd asked, it would told me it was in my back pocket. I didn't live that way. And now, together, we pretty much are able to get each other centered and live a day at a time. And, you know, I mean, now, I will tell you something that bothers me about her. (laughs) It's just because it fills out the whole picture. She's never on time. I am owed so much time. (laughs) Uh, Lord, you know how much time I'm owed. It's hours and hours and hours. It's it's gotten up into years now. (laughs) Nugget, my dog, I got a golden retriever. And I, we go to church on Sundays. Nugget goes with us because he likes to listen to the music. And he has his own prayer time. But Nugget and I are out in the car. I'm waiting. And we're both of us waiting. Now, a dog ages seven years for our one year. By the time she comes out of the house, I got to take Nugget to the bed. Because he's not feeling good. And I'm not feeling good. And the other thing is, we're at lunch today, and this is my Doria. And I love her so much. She says, what was, uh, was the first serious role you did? This is my wife was the first serious role you did with Al Pacino and Justice for All? And I said, yeah, I guess. She says, you know what's funny? I said, oh, no. Al Pacino and Winston Churchill are a lot alike. 
I, I turned to her and I said, you're never going to hear those two names mentioned in the same sentence ever again. <laughs> Al Pacino and Winston Churchill? I said, this is going to be good. Go ahead and explain it. <laughs> I have no idea what the explanation is. But I love her to death, and it's... Hey, the most uh, compassionate, loving, caring human being I've ever been. And she could have defended Hitler. Doria. Uh, Dor- no, you, I'm sorry. No microphone, Doria. But this, is, this is what I do to Debbie every week up here, too. Right? <laughs> I know. I heard it. You heard, I heard it. it. You heard me. Debbie, 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 Debbie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, it just, I, I, I just got to tell you, so we just had 39 years of, of marriage and, um, Debbie and I, and y'all know, y'all know how Debbie is with numbers. You know, she does not understand numbers at all. So I told her, I said, you know, we're starting our 40th year of marriage. And so this was just two weeks ago. So she said to me, hmm. and then she said, you know, you've been married to me for 40 years and I've been married to you for 40 years. We've been married 80 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, no, sugar. We've not been married 80, 80 years. And then she does this. She says, combined, 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 combined. And I thought, no matter how many times you say combined, it's. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we have wonderful wives that love the Lord, but we don't understand them. Totally. So tell, tell, is there a, is there a, a funny story? I mean, you, you've been in so many movies, so many television series, worked with so many different people, and you, you've got the behind-the-scenes look, you know, that we don't have. You know, we see the edited version, but any, any funny story come to your mind? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but um, anything come to your mind? Yeah, it's not necessarily funny, but I, I mean, I could tell a lot of stories. That it, the the thing that has occurred to me is that, and what I've been given, for whatever reason and at whatever level, I always wanted to be a really big star. And um, when I came to God, when I came to Jesus, and I realized that I was as big as I was going to get in his eyes, and certainly in mine, but I'm as saved as I'm going to be. It's my job to go out there and do the best I can with what I've been given. And so how do I take that and talk to about it, about him on a set, in a movie, in, 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 within my job, what do I do? I got to act as if I got to be there for him. And oftentimes that feels like I'm putting myself on the back burner. I'm not standing out enough. But that's where he likes me. And that's where I need to be, is I need to be there to support. So when I was doing parenthood, every day I'd go to work. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying. I wasn't an idiot, because I am. 
I mean, I get road rage just like everybody else. <laughs> I mean, the last thing out of my mouth is, praise your brother. <laughs> That's not going to happen often. But when I go to work, I want to listen and I want to be available and I want to encourage because all of us are broken and we're hurting and we need to be, if you will, sponsored and we need to be uplifting. I need to know that someone's encouraging my faith because I need it to be real. And some days it's not real to me. Some days I'm far away from it. I'm the one that's pulling out. God is there. And I need people to bring me back. I need the word to bring me back. And when I'm at work, I can be of service. So that's what I'm trying to do now is completely, as much as I can, surrender. You know, that's it. It's fantastic. Fantastic. So... Take us back just a little bit. We all have that spiritual journey, but just like when you said to your friend, are you ready? Are you ready? What was that like for you? When, when were you ready to surrender your life to Jesus? I mean, you're on the journey. You're listening to Pastor Jack. You were learning. You met Doria. But at some point in your life, there came that, I'm done. I, I need to give my life to Jesus. Can you take us to that point? You know, it's been an ongoing thing. I think I gave my heart, my heart to him when I was a kid. I just ran. I ran away. As far away as I could. But that glorious hound of heaven wouldn't let me go. That's great. Um, and I don't know why, Pastor. I have so many friends that aren't here. But I am, and I, I have to do what I know to be right. When, and I'll give you an example. Jack Haver and I went to lunch just very quick. He said, Craig, let's have lunch every month. And I said, okay, great. Pastor Jack Hayford can take me to lunch and pay. He's going to pay. <laughs> and I hope he's going to pay. <laughs> and we met, and we went to this Italian place in Sherman Oaks. And I was just thrilled. We walk in. I'm with Pastor Jack Hayford. We sit down. and we're not, We haven't even ordered yet. And the gal comes, the waitress comes over, and she says, can I help you? And he, Jack's looking at the menu. And he looks up, and he says, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. Do you know Jesus? And I went, we aren't even going to get any garlic bread. (laughs) What? You don't need to do this now. Wait for dessert, the cannelloni here. Do you know Jesus? She says, well, I'm Jewish. And he says, oh, praise God, praise God. And she says, but I've been searching. (laughs) 
And I'm sitting there going, what? Jewish, Italian restaurant, Jack. She's searching how, what? Lord. And, he's, and God is saying, just wait, you can eat later. And I'm sitting, <laughs> she, he says, I'd like to give you a book. I'd like to give you a book and I'd like to pray for you. And he prayed for her right there. And it was such a witness. He, he wrote down the book, going to send it to her. I wrote down her address. Okay, fine. So we eat now. The meal is spoiled. I'm going, well, you don't ask anybody if they know Jesus, Craig. I mean, what kind of Christian are you? Well, you're not a very good one, so just shut up. Okay, fine. <laughs> just go out in the car and mope. Just mope, okay? We don't need you today. And I'm thinking, well, here we go. Five years later, get a tap on the shoulder. Excuse me. Are you the one that was with the minister at the restaurant? Yeah, she said, I was a waitress. She said, I accepted Jesus. He sent me a book. And that's the example. You know, that's the beauty. I, 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 I'd never have done that. Fantastic. You, you know, when I um, I was thinking about as you share, you're relating to everyone in here. And I think some of us have a problem relating to someone who's well-known or famous or celebrity, yet you, you've had struggles, you've had difficulties with addictions. And I loved it when I asked you that moment, and I think you related to all of us. I gave my life to the Lord when I was a child, but I ran and I ran and I ran, but he never would give up on me. Uh, And then to talk about being with a pastor and a pastor influencing you, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed that I'm, I know this, but I'm sitting here with a person that I've watched on television and movies for years. And you're telling me I'm a regular guy and I need Jesus Christ every day of my life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, there's so many people that are struggling. There's so many people that are incapacitated with drugs and alcohol, and God knows whatever else, the news. If you're incapacitated by the news, by the way, I don't watch the news much anymore. I can't. It depresses my spirit. And the attack, you know, the pastor had a great series on attack, on being attacked. And we're in a, we got spiritual warfare going on here. I know I was captured by the enemy. And I don't know if any of you have seen the red eyes in the rear view mirror, but I have. And he's alive and well. And you're in a battle, but there's hope. You don't have to live in despair and guilt and shame. You don't have to. I need to be encouraged, and we need to encourage others to get out of it, that there is victory, and then you know what? In the end, we win. So. It's great. I think...
I think if, uh, this has been, wor- I guarantee you, worth your time, I know. But I just want to say before we wrap up, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? I'm going to give you the last word here. Well, yes, I would like to pray for you, if you don't mind. And I'd like to pray this prayer, which is, O Lord, Abba, Father, God bless this church, bless this ministry, Bless Pastor Robert. Give him the strength and the courage and the health that he needs to be an overcomer, to be your servant, to be your witness, and to speak the truth as it's written in the gospel. I just thank you, Father, for for these people here for honoring me with being able to be here. And thank you for this blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank Craig T. Nelson?